And so we begin. Again. Wow. I'm really glad I got that first episode off my chest. Now I can actually go full throttling on this. Genuinely happy about that. It doesn't matter if people liked it or not specifically. What matters is that I... I faced this wall that had been in front of me this entire time and I crossed it and I jumped over it and I just feel better because of it. And at the end of the day, nothing worth having in this life is easy to get. And a lot of times we have to keep jumping over these walls and these barriers in our lives to try and be better, to face the fears that define us in a lot of ways and more than one way. And to grow stronger and better because of it, more alive. Instead of hiding in our shells and our comfort zones, we actually tread unknown waters and find out new things, meet new people, and explore. <sighs> there is no, there is no fear in being a student. Uh, being someone who constantly wants to learn. Because at the end of the day, if you look at the only metric that counts when it comes to anything that you're trying to learn, the only metric that counts is the rate of improvement. N nothing else matters. So this is what I hate when, I, when I'm in class and I look at other students who are maybe afraid of asking a specific question. So you wouldn't want to ask the question in class because you're afraid of seeming stupid to other people, right? But because you didn't ask it, you're actually reinforcing that thought because you are technically stupid in that regard because you don't know the answer for what you wanted to ask. But then you'll ask and then you'll illuminate where you were actually, in that sense, stupid, right? So this, it's this dilemma. Do you want to be someone that people perceive you to know all the answers or do you just want to actually be better and more knowledgeable yourself? And we, we forget what matters in a lot of, a lot of ways. When we look at these, th these things, we, we take into account things that really don't matter to us and we give them so much weight and a lot of things in our lives. And that's fine, really, because at the end of the day, we're built on a system. And as I mentioned earlier, you're, everything, that we, everything that's new is somewhat integrated in the already existing system that we've been living in or within for this entire time. So it's just building up slowly. And our system right now, our conscious brain, is actually built on on a mammalian brain and then on a reptilian brain, right? The, that we have to that control a lot of what we do. And consciousness for us is that's why it's such a mystery, and that's why it's such a because we see we see what rationality and consciousness can bring us because we are that, but we're also bound by all the limits that came before us, the things we've built on. And now usually. If you wanted to drastically improve that system and disrupt it, then you just destroy the entire foundation and start again from from scratch. And then you can actually create something that's maybe more sustainable or more focused on consciousness. And that's exactly what we're doing with AI. We're ripping away everything that that makes life life, and we're just creating pure consciousness. And it's just a uh, it's interesting how. As I mentioned earlier, everything is becoming more and more complex at every level that you go, from how atoms bond to how your cells work together to how you function and create things outside of yourself as a human being.
And now that we're creating something more complex even than ourselves outside of us, that's sort of the next step in evolution, or it should be technically. But for us, we have to, you know, we have to somewhat... Our ego is too fragile to accept us being just a, a part within this entire process. For us, we think we're important and we'd like it to stay that way. So <laughs> to let go of what makes us us and move on to something different completely without the foundations that we've built upon, that's a tough step to take, really. And it's a step we might not have to take ourselves. It might be a step that something else takes for us. Maybe the systems we create, but doesn't have to be that negative it doesn't have to be I'll get into this a lot more later for sure I'll get into a lot of other things a lot because just starting out this podcast I can't really go deep into everything that I'd like to go deep into um, at the beginning I think it's more logical for me to show you guys how my thought process works and how everything at least to me relates with everything else and how I try to make sense of it and then then we can take things and dissect them and go deeper and deeper and deeper. And then that's where real knowledge happens, where we can actually apply this type of information to our own lives to live more and more happy and more fulfilled lives, right? Not the perfect lives that we were always like this image. Humans are inherently imperfect. Life is inherently imperfect. Everything is imperfect and... It's just so beautiful to get these imperfections together and see how they could come together to create something so outstanding that we could never imagine before, right? We don't like perfection inherently either. Even if everything in your life was completely perfect, even if you were completely happy 24-7 or completely sad 24-7, happiness would lose its meaning at that point. If that's the norm for you, for everything to always be this great, then you'll never enjoy it when it's actually great, right? The only reason we can actually enjoy things that we we enjoy is because we know the the duality of it. We know the opposite of of what that thing is. And the fact that we're not in that state right now and we're in the better state technically, that's where we see there's a difference. We have to realize that there's a difference in almost everything. And within that difference that we realize, that's where there's meaning. Food wouldn't ever be so satisfying if you didn't know what hunger really feels like. And thirst can't really be quenched unless you're thirsty. So these emotions really... Everything has to be balanced. Everything has a duality. Everything has an opposite side to it. Not a completely opposite side. It's a complementary side. It's not like sadness is the opposite of happiness. Uh, the things... We, we took them into this context and we, we decided that... Uh, our brain works by referencing things together, right? So if we wanted to, by using the temperature scale, for example, what we're looking at isn't, when we say the temperature is 100 degrees Celsius, Celsius I'm a Celsius type of guy, if we're going to look at the thermometer and look at the temperature, when it's zero and it's 100, it doesn't mean that, I don't know, it doesn't mean that the temperature is actually that. It just signifies that the mercury within that thermometer had enough energy had a certain amount of energy that moved it up to a certain degree that gives you this type of temperature. So if it had a specific amount of energy, it would be 50 degrees, for example. And that's the reference point. The reference point is how much mer mercury is already affected by, by the temperature, by the heat. <laughs> by the heat energy, technically. So that's how we look at everything. We look at everything as reference points because we have the scale. 
which, which, which has its ups and downs. And for us, we look at that scale and we try to to see our position in it. Or I'm just taking tea bag outside of the tea. Tea is so good, man. I absolutely love it. I absolutely love tea. All right, so when you look at your emotions and not just emotions, even anything in life from light to darkness, it's not a, it's not as if darkness is the opposite of light. Darkness is the absence of light. Uh, but it's, it's just a complementary state to it. Just like the moon isn't the opposite of the sun. It's just they both complement each other. It's all balance. It's a scale, but the things on both ends of the scale, they aren't they aren't the exact opposite, right? They're complementary to each other. One wouldn't have meaning without the other at all. And if you look at that and you look at everything in your life in that way, and you'll see it in almost everything. Everything has a duality and everything has 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 a scale of its own in essence. And right now it seems as if we're just constantly pushing for perfection in every area of our lives. And I mean we should. We should always be aiming towards a utopia towards a blissful type of life because otherwise if you truly look at the circumstances of life it can seem pretty cruel to a lot of people i mean for us maybe anyone listening to this podcast at this moment you're privileged accept that you're you're absolutely privileged in this life you have a good 50 40 to 50 minutes where you can listen to some guy talk about life without actually having to worry about whether or not you're going to be eaten by wolves or having a bear rip your guts apart. <laughs> I mean, our ancestors had it really hard, you know, they went through a lot for us to get to this. And we don't seem to appreciate it at all. Uh, you have the ease of mind to sit down and really listen to listen to this without having to worry about whether or not you're going to eat tonight or if you're going if you're thirsty, you're going to get some water. This is the society we're in right now. It's a society that we're deprived of need, right? We've deprived ourselves. We've deprived ourselves from being deprived. And that's not a good way to go because we're not used to the other end. Because at some point in the future, if we're ever at a point where we're actually deprived and we don't know how to deal with that, we're fucked. And this is what we're doing with our children we don't deprive them of anything and they're deprived of being deprived. And this is why they grow up with this sense of entitlement where they think they, the world owes them something. And in reality, the world doesn't owe anyone anything. The fact that we're here isn't because we were special or were we, or the world owed us anything. In essence, it's pretty insane. It's pretty crazy that every single one of your ancestors for the past 3.5 billion years has successfully reproduced just think about that for a second. But I also think that we're, we're in a state right now where when someone mentions big numbers like that, billion or million, we think we understand this type of number. We think we, we look at it and it doesn't seem that large. It's a word. It's billion and we hear it often. But billion is really a lot, guys. Uh, <laughs> if I wanted to tell you to envision a million years in your mind, you're, you can't you can't really do that. You can't... You can't really wrap your head around the concept of such a long span of time. We live for, what, 80 years tops? And for us, that seems like a long time. Maybe not for everyone. Time isn't something we have a lot of, actually. We think we do, but we don't. 
but still 3.5 billion years of, of just constantly life itself went through five mass extinctions where it was almost wiped out every time and how life functions in essence when it comes to evolution it's just a process of trial and error randomness and balance coming together across a very large span of time something i'll definitely get into a lot more later but you look at life and having have having have had to go through so much and you look at animals and the only thing that animals are actually trying to achieve or actually trying to do it's literally just to exist another moment longer all life is trying to do is just be to be to exist that's it and it wants to find a way a sustainable way where it can actually exist for hopefully for its own sake an indefinite amount of time but it doesn't have a brain that it can think through it's a collection of of brains it's a collection of organisms it's a collection it's a process in essence just like almost everything is we think our brain we think consciousness is some one part of our brain where we can just touch it and be like okay yeah this is consciousness we understand it done it's not like that doesn't doesn't work like that at all every single part of you within your body within your mechanism within your brain it's all it's all constantly 24/7 working together to create consciousness and to create you so it is in essence not one thing it's a process just like life is and life life didn't have this conscious type of thought where it can be like okay i need to be this and i need to be that no it was as a chicken or a reptile or whatever you had a bunch of eggs and and each one of them was basically a simulation or a representation of you given off with a bit of adjustments here and there depending on your mate and then depending on which one survive and do be able to repeat that process again and again and again that's how out of the 20 eggs that might ha- might have been laid maybe 5 would have lived and 5 would have laid another 20 eggs each but this time instead of 5 continuing and not dying maybe maybe 6 would continue on or 7 or none and at some point life realized like okay i talking about dinosaurs right now I'm very big I have very tough skin and I have sharp teeth and I'm very strong and I can run all day long without any any issue at all but I I was still wiped out right I I could be I could be this magical beast that can really withstand the harsh circumstances of the world and environment around it but I'll still end up dying I'll still end up becoming extinct. So that's not sustainable. I can't continue to exist like that. All right, what's the next step? Okay, instead of trying to constantly, constantly, constantly try to adapt to the environments that I'm in, how about I adapt my environments to to me? I'll adapt the environment to myself. And those that did survive the mass extinctions were able to create their offspring and so on and so forth until us and we're able to do that every one of us is sitting in some sort of safe space where temperature is regulated and you have a train to take to work and within that train you have temperature that's regulated too your room is uh, you close your door whenever you want to you have your own environment and you you control it and you put your posters on the wall and you put pictures up and you play music 
And I think everyone's room says so much about themselves, right? Uh, it's just a reflection of your mental space, I think, every every room. You know, if I meet, so- if I see someone's room, I feel like I have an instant understanding of how this person is or how they work. Because at the end of the day, you look at a messy room and you're probably, that person is probably messy in their heads in one way or another too. They're not as organized mentally. It might be wrong, you know, you can't just assume all of that, but it just does give you a good picture. So in essence, after life learned that lesson, and we came into existence, to just let life somehow to continue to exist through us, what does that mean? We are, we are literally life. And this is something that really bothers me because I feel like we try to separate ourselves from life, right? We are literally, to our knowledge, the furthest life has been able to get to. And that's us. We're the product of all of that. And at this point, life learned that I can't stay on this planet anymore. I can't stay and just depend on the resources I have in this one place when there's so many resources out there that I can't reach. This is why consciousness came into being, because it's basically the prerequisite for us to be able to transverse space and reach one planet from one planet to another. And it's a beautiful thought if you think about it. And this is us. This is literally us. We're embodied life moving in that direction with so many built-in mechanisms already inside of us that dictate a lot of who we are and a lot of what we need to achieve. A lot of your DNA, like DNA is such a complex thing that you have to really get into later. But so much is written in our DNA of who we really are and what we are as, as human beings. It's insane. And just a tiny difference here and there will mean the world, really. All right, the difference between our genetic makeup and apes is 1%. And that's not a lot, but in DNA terms, in that coding that we all have within us, every cell, every living being, that says so much, so much data packed into such a small space. And humans, like, you look at humans and it's such a fascinating thing, because for us, you look at animals and you look at a certain species and you think to yourself, they all really look alike, right? These birds have, okay, different patterns of colors, but Generally, they they all look almost exactly the same. But for us, you look at humans and we're the most complicated birds out there with so many different feathers, so many different colored feathers, so many different songs that we sing, melodies we dance to. God, how we even try to find a mate, you know, some birds. Have you ever seen a bird trying to mate? How they sing and jump around and some try to build art. It's insane. And that's really us, but we're just more complicated. We are literally life. We are life. We are one, really. And yet we still try to separate ourselves from everything else. And I think that's just fear built within each and every one of us. Fear that was really necessary for your ancestors to be able to reproduce for 3.5 billion years. And our ancestors had to, really, they had to go through so much to stay alive. And their brains had to constantly be working, assessing risk and danger in order to be able to to see the next day and maybe give offspring off and maybe be able to take care of them. So your ancestors would be asleep next to a fire and all this going all that's going on through their head is that they're trying not to be bit by a snake or if they have enough firewood for tomorrow or if they have... And they had to 
our brains, we think our brains are problem-solving machines, but they're actually problem-finding machines. And that's why a lot of us would go to bed at night and still not be able to fall asleep because we're anxious and afraid. Anxious and afraid of what? These are built-in mechanisms inside of us to help us survive, right? Not, not to thrive, just to survive, just to be able to eat and give off offspring. But for us, what makes us particularly different from animals is the fact that we're inherently... We inherently know that there's a future, there's a there's a concept of a tomorrow. You know, we have an idea of what time is, we have an idea of I am here now, someday in the future I will be somewhere else, and I have to make sure that at that point I'll be in a good place, not a bad place. A lot of this is why we can't fall asleep at night, because we're too anxious about tomorrow, about this presentation we have to give, or this talk that I need to have, or this or that and there's so many possibilities happening in our head because at this point it's not as if back then life had to really go through a lot of trial and error before it was able to survive right but now that consciousness came into the equation i personally as a khalid i can't give i can't give birth to 20 different versions of khalid and see ah i mentioned my name on the podcast right should introduce myself hi i'm khalid i'm khalid yasin i'm 22 years old and my and my favorite color is purple. No, no, actually, it's blue. But it was it was purple at some point. Uh, I really like uh, I really like learning and thinking about life. If you haven't noticed, and yeah, I just want to be better in any any regard. I could tell you where I'm from. I could tell you what I'm currently doing. I could tell you all of that information, and I really don't mind. Uh, but I just don't think it's relevant because at some point within the future. All of that's somewhat going to change, right? Uh, but that stays true to who I am. What I truly love is just to be and try to, to be better. Regardless of what my ego feels, you know, it's just I'll ask the dumbest questions and I'll, <laughs> I'll embarrass myself as long as it means that I can learn something new and be better than I was yesterday. And it's a competition you have against your, yourself, not really anyone else. Um... But yeah, I'll get into, if anyone's interested in getting to know, I'm pretty sure almost anyone listening to this right now, and by right now, I mean by the time I post this episode, like in this date, the 27th of October 2018, most people listening to this would probably be people that really know me already. And yeah, so I look at Khalid, I can't create 20 different versions of myself and then see which ones survive and which ones don't. But what we can do right now, because of our ability to create simulations in our head, and we have our own imagination to... At the end of the day, intelligence is just abstract action. We can just sit down and think about action that we might take and assess whether or not that's a good action that we should take or not. So instead of having to lay 20 eggs, and I can't lay 20 eggs, I can create 20 different simulations of myself in my head, trying to imagine different scenarios and how I would react to them and see what best outcome, what, and see which outcome I want actually to begin with, and see which simulation would lead me to that outcome in a more sure way, right? And that's all of us, and this is what happens at night, you know, your brain is just trying to, you're, but sometimes we get stuck into that, you know, we, we think too much in, within a cer- certain regard, we give it a lot of energy, let's assume I have a presentation tomorrow and I'm stressed out, 
I'll just keep thinking about all the bad things that can happen instead of actually the good things that might happen if I gave a good presentation. And because you're visualizing yourself do bad, then you'll probably do bad because this is what a lot of what goes into learning is visualization, right? So they got, they looked at Olympic teams back in the 1970s and they saw different teams that trained in different ways. Some teams only focused on the physical aspect of the sport. Others found a mix between actually mental activities regarding the sport and physical. So those that actually sat down and thought about themselves doing something, doing the sport or the specific tricks that they had to do, those excelled a lot more than, than those who only focused on the physical and just practiced those steps over and over again. Even muscle atrophy, even when you have when you break your arm for instance and you have to you have to ha wear a cast for a few months you're you're not using your muscles so your muscles will slowly deteriorate so that that's actually stopped almost completely by imagining by sitting down and imagining that you're using your muscles of the hand obviously and yeah it's insane how we can how our brain that just something that was really that really came from nothing something that came from nothingness is completely empty at the beginning obviously and then continues to collect and amass information and knowledge at the point where it can contribute outside of itself and manipulate things outside of itself and interact with the world and then the world interacts with it too and then it goes back into nothing just coming in temporary some like if anyone here has lost a loved one and a lot i think a lot of us have most of us have they're one second they're there and the second the next second they're not they were here and then they, they weren't and we still have to continue our lives time will still move on it's a funny concept really just coming in we have this limited time span that we can do things in and then we're gone and then you have people that come into this life with this fire right with this burning passion that they want to show the world and they change so much and they interact and they're this bright star that's burning so bright but then it dies their memory is cherished for for a little while but then they're forgotten like everything else but then you look at people like Nietzsche and people like Socrates and these are people who they weren't the bright stars that we, we imagine celebrity, like celebrities are. People didn't appreciate them as much when they were alive. Tesla, for example, is a big example. Without him, I couldn't be recording this podcast to begin with. I'd like, I'd like to compare these people to black holes, really. Because a black hole isn't, it's a, it's a star that, it's a star that condensed and condensed and condensed, almost completely forgotten and disregarded. It was so concentrated and dense to a point that it's just, after its death, it became so powerful and started changing the fabric of the universe it's in, completely. And you look at people like Nietzsche and their ideologies and how no one gave a fuck about Nietzsche when he was alive. And then you look at you look at the past. And then you look at the future. And all of a sudden his ideologies after his death condensed and transformed 
to change the very fabric of how we as people see and identify with everything in our lives. It had such a powerful effect on philosophy worldwide. And Socrates too. Tesla had like Tesla was miserable by the time he died. No one appreciated him and Thomas Edison made sure he didn't get a Nobel Prize and he got fucked. But look at everything now. It's just like a black hole, really. Some people burn bright while they're alive and others don't burn as bright. They're a bit colder, unknown, unseen, unappreciated, and then after their death, and that's... See, we come in for a limited amount of time and leave, but we, what, we, what we've interacted with in this world, the energy that we've gave out, it stays. That energy remains. And it depends on what type of energy you want to give. But it's just fascinating that after they leave, that that energy that they left would have such a, would manifest and manipulate and expand until it was able to change everything. Yeah, we come into this world from nothing. We create, interact and manipulate and then we leave, sometimes leaving things behind. Maybe we burn like a bright star, or maybe we don't. We slowly die out and find ourselves slowly condense until maybe we expand beyond imagination and change things outside the boundaries of what's normal to existence itself as everything moves on along with time. To be a bright star that dies out the second you leave, or be a black hole long after you've gone out of existence. Huh. Odd thought, isn't it? And in essence, there's a lot of randomness that goes into a black hole. After Nietzsche's death or Tesla's death or beings that in essence were black holes, it was it was only by chance and randomness that what they left behind got picked up and shared with everyone. Just like there's a lot of randomness to a black hole coming into existence. And if, if you look at it honestly, we're all terrified to die. Human beings are terrified of not being. We, we're so afraid of not being. We're so clinged to the thought that we can think and we are, that to us not being that anymore is somewhat terrifying. It's completely understandable. Every human being goes through that. But I think to be to be able to enjoy life for what it is, I think one really has to accept death. Accept the fact that you will die someday, and it's completely outside of your control. And like I mentioned the last episode, anything outside of your control is not something you should ever waste energy on. You do what you can within your control to... Minimize the probability of something bad happening to you that might lead to your death, definitely. Wear your seatbelts. But beyond that, 
being in constant fear of something that will inevitably happen no matter what you do is just a waste of energy. I'll get into that a lot more later because it's a very deep topic. To me, I, I feel like I've accepted that already. I'm okay with it happening at any point. I'd prefer if it didn't happen anytime soon, but I can't do anything about it, so why, why fret? But I've been living such a more fulfilled life ever since I, I did reach that stage of acceptance. And honestly, I can't pinpoint at all when that happened. There wasn't, there wasn't this one moment where I was like, ah, okay, I'm good with that, done. No. I think it's just a collection of just my entire life and my experiences that led to this. Just like you can't pinpoint out some one thing and just say that's consciousness. Everything's a process, everything works with everything else. We're just a part of all of that. And yet we we'd like to think we'd like to think we're distant from it in one way or another. We'd like to cling to our egos and who we identify as who we are. And identifying with things that really don't have anything to do with us. Taking things personally that other people convey on us. Taking things that other people project on us and identifying with that instead. But yeah, I guess I'll, I'll end this episode here. I think I've covered too many topics in this episode and we'll start creating some sort of structure later on. I think this is just way too soon. We'll learn and grow together. I will see what happens. I have to mention though, it's actually a full moon outside right now and it's almost midnight. So it's just perfect. I wish I could record outdoors, actually. My my best insights happen when I'm actually outdoors. It's just more relaxed. Breathing the clean air and watching the trees. Looking at the moon and just appreciating that I'm here. I'm alive and I, I get to feel. I get to feel. I get to absorb all of this beauty around me, all of this energy and make something out of it. Give it meaning. I don't think I don't think anything has meaning unless we give it that unless we give it meaning personally. I mean as the instrument that the universe uses to observe itself, we name and classify everything and give it meaning in one essence or another. And even things that we don't necessarily understand, once we name them, we sort of, once we name something we don't understand, we sort of have a better understanding of it. And then it's a concept that we can communicate through language. And language, oh, it's such a complicated thing. I'll go into language a lot more too, later. Language is beautiful. Conveying information. Without us, these energies... These energies around us don't have much meaning. If I wasn't here to look at light reflect these colors to my eyes, there wouldn't be any color. This light would just be energy. 
not necessarily something that says any type of useful information. But the fact that my eyes are built in a way that can see different waves of light and how they reflect on different objects, it gave that energy meaning. Just like sound is also energy, we give we give this energy a lot of meaning. At the end of the day, what's your name? Your name is just a, a noise that signifies who you are. And that's the meaning that we give it. We give all of this meaning. And we are life. We shouldn't separate ourselves from it. We are truly, truly life. Itself at its best. And what does life want more than anything? It wants to be. To exist. Within the short time that it has on this planet, it just wants to exist. And like I said, I think it's the hardest thing for anyone to do. To really just be. If you look at animals, then it's not as if they... It's not as if they, they they really do live in the moment, right? It might not be the best moment because, you know, you're being chased by a lion or, or wolf, but animals are really in the now. <laughs> Seriously, they're so in it. Truly life, just existing. And for us, we're always living in somewhere, some other place. Whenever we're talking to anyone, we're, we're probably thinking about something else. We're not in that conversation, or we're not in that interaction, we're not here. We're not enjoying the time we get to sit down on a bench and just breathe. As we sit on a bench and just be. As the night sky close, and the wind just passes you by. To relish in these moments to be able to give meaning to all of these energies around us and absorb them, be one with them because they're just because they're outside of your physical body doesn't mean that they're not you. You you are everything in essence. And by essence I mean like I mentioned everything just builds up to becoming more and more complicated and complex. But if we break it down and we try to go to the lowest level of what something could be, it's still not one thing, it's a collection of things working together, a process. Electrons and protons being attracted to each other to make atoms, and we could still go deeper than that, but I'm not sure what's behind that layer too. But it's probably duality. Just like an electron is negative and a proton is positive. It's insane, man. I'll get into chemistry a bit more later. I think chemistry is a bit the foundational essence of what everything is and how everything bonds and interacts with everything else. It's very... Chemistry is an interesting subject. Why and how atoms are attracted to each other to create certain certain compounds. The electrons that they share together, not take, they share electrons. How they're attracted to each other, why? Trying to reach a stage of stability between each and every every one of them. 
just trying to be complete, just like every one of us, trying to be complete, trying to find something outside of ourselves that can actually, that we can share, that can actually make us feel a little bit more whole. But I'll get into that next time. Take care.